we always say you want to be soft on people and hard on problems. Right. Right. So it's not that the other person is being unreasonable in their demands. You then label it and say, hey, listen, we're off a certain amount of money. Really, we're off like we're off one week's worth of revenues. So you label the difference as one week in revenues. In today's economy, more people than ever are looking to buy and sell businesses. But how do you do it? Welcome to The Deal Board, presented by Transworld Business Advisors. Straight talk about real deals and real people. Listen to stories, interviews, and expert advice to help your business sale, merger, or acquisition process. Now, here are your business exit experts, Andy and Jessica. Welcome back, everybody. And today, I'm excited. We've got part two of our top 10 negotiation strategies. So if you didn't hear our first part of this top 10, you can skip back two episodes, and we talk about the first five of Andy's best negotiation strategies and give you tips and tools and some stories on how you can practice them in your own life and business. But today, we've got another five to explain. Yeah, another great five. This is great top 10. I'm really excited. Yeah. Well, let's jump right in. So the first strategy we're going to talk about is mirroring or labeling. And we mentioned Chris Voss in the last um, episode and how a lot of these he mentions in his book, Never Split the Difference. But mirror um, is is one of his tenets um, that he talks about a lot. Yeah, he talks about it a lot. And, and there's a lot that could go into mirroring. Yeah, so mirroring is just really reflecting back what you're seeing and hearing from the person you're talking to. Um, and I think this is really powerful because, one, it offers a lot of clarity, right? So sometimes people are expressing themselves verbally, but what we hear is different than what they're meaning to express. You hear people a lot say like, well, that wasn't my intention behind what I was saying that. So in a mirroring situation, you hear somebody say, you know, I don't feel like um, this is a good deal for me. And you might mirror that and say, what I'm hearing you say is that you're not feeling confident in this negotiation, right? Or something like that. So you can see if you're exactly on the same page and you're, you're understanding what's being said, so that's in a verbal format, but you can also do it visually and physically too. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy. I've heard all kinds of things like you should dress the same, mm -hmm. or if somebody's sitting with their arms crossed, you cross your arms, or if somebody is, you know, holding their glasses, you hold lean their glasses lean or lean leaning in. forward, yeah. leaning back, crossing their legs, all kinds of things that, the, that you can mirror. And it, and it goes to like a psychological belief that people want to do business with people like mm -hmm. them. Yeah. So people, I've heard crazy things like you should try to breathe at the same rate that the other person. Oh, I've person actually done that before. Have you? Yeah, because so I'm from Jersey. I'm Italian. So I tend to speak <laughs> fast and, and loud and right. Right. So I've actually in negotiation strategies. And when I'm meeting people for the first time, I try because you hear about voice pacing a lot too. So you'll pace your voice and you'll pace your tone. Um, and then you're breathing the same too. And I'll do the breathing because most people breathe more deeply and slowly than I do. So right. it'll actually, if I mimic their breath, it'll calm me down in the situation. Wow. Yeah. And it works. Yeah, it does work. I mean, mirroring does work and especially reflecting their words. Like, you know, to, so like you said, saying that, you know, what I'm hearing you say or, you know, as you said, mm -hmm. and, you know, this is what I, um, you know, correct me if, you know, and people really appreciate that too. So 
It's uh, mirroring is very important. Yeah. And kind of going a step into that too is labeling. So we were just talking that it's really important to understand when you're in negotiation with somebody that the other person isn't the problem. The situation they're expressing is the problem you need to solve. So sometimes labeling the situation so you're not assigning blame um, to either side is super helpful to getting to a resolution. Yeah. We always say you want to be soft on people and hard on problems. Right. right. So it's not that the other person is being unreasonable in their demands. You then label it and say, hey, listen, we're off a certain amount of money. Really, we're off like we're off one week's worth of revenues. So you label the difference as one week in revenues. Mm -hmm. So how do we tackle one week in revenues? Like maybe there's some sort of, hey, how about after the first week I give you another, you know, or the first year? You know, we, we've done all kinds of things like that, contingent notes, earnouts, uh, things that make people, but we label the difference in money as not as the other person being unreasonable, but as a chunk of money. And, and, and break it down, I like, too, how you broke it down in something reasonable. It's not, we're off $100,000, we're off one week of revenue, right? Right. How do we solve that situation? And then you have creative minds right. that are now coming to the situation to solve that problem. And you, and you label the problem as, as something that can be solved. It's like, you know, in the time that we've been talking about this difference in price, the company has earned twice that in revenues, I mean, like, so you try to break it down. It's like, hey, if we could close earlier, you're going to make up that money because this, the next week we're still in season or, hey, you're buying a florist. If we could get this done before Mother's Day, you're going to get a whole bunch chunk of that money back. The seller doesn't want to sell before Mother's Day, but, you know, now we're like, we're shifting the, the problem into something that we could tackle and that, you know, it's not personal on either side. It's a concrete business problem that has a solution. Right, yeah. right. And so number two is one of my favorites too. And especially when you're dealing with difficult people, sometimes it's good to go deeper into the organization or try to find another negotiator. And by going deeper into the organization, um, you know, I'm talking about that. Say you, have, so it was funny. We, I'll, I'll talk about this one business we had. We had an older gentleman that owned this business. Uh, he was... 80 something years old. They wanted to sell. We were, we were being told by the family. I was referred in by the family, by the daughter of this gentleman that we were, we needed to get this deal done, that he was, he was failing in health and we needed to get this done. So we're going through the process and we're, we keep running up against, you know, my agent who was working with me, I referred it to one of my agents, my agents working with that gentleman. And he all of a sudden says, we're not, you're not, you can't have that. He's like, why? Because my wife won't let me give it to you. Mm. So now we realize that the wife is really the decision maker. And unfortunately, my agent did something in the bed in the beginning, like he didn't recognize her at the, at the meeting. So she didn't like him. Right. So now we have a problem. So now we can't get the insurance papers because she's like, no insurance papers until this deal is over. And it's like, well, we can't get insurance. It's Florida. You know, the, it's a night, nightmare of insurance agency. So I call my referral source who was the wife and his wife was the daughter of this couple. So I would call my referral source and he would call his wife. The wife would call them 
the mother and the mother would give permission to the father to give the papers to my agent. I can't tell you how many times we had to go deeper into the organization to the point where I would call up, you know, like the third time in one week and he, and my, my buddy would call me and he'd say, Andy, it's the weekend. If I make my wife upset one more time, I'm not going to have a good weekend. We're going out to dinner. I, like, I don't want to, he goes, can we handle this Monday? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Or we need to bundle these, these. He's together. But we went around like this deeper into the organization over and over again until we got the deal done. Yeah. And I mean, we've done it too a lot on landlords. Um, we've done this a, a bunch of times where, you know, there might be an approval sitting on someone's desk in the organization for property management. It's not the person you're dealing with, right? It's usually someone right. else. And we've had, I mean, I remember one situation where we showed up at the property manager's office with donuts and coffee for the one administrator that had to move this piece of paper along, right? And just going, it's not always going above somebody's head. It's just trying to reach the person that can move the situation along. Yeah, we had a, we had a, we were at a closing for a multi-million dollar deal and the hospital had to sign off on this business's vendor contract. And it, we called the legal department at the hospital and they said, listen, it's going to be a few weeks. You know, it needs to get to the CEO. Now I just happened to have known the CEO uh, through my father-in-law, and I was able to pick up the phone and call his cell phone. And uh, he picked up the phone. And he said, Andy, how can I help you? And I said, there's a piece of paper in your legal department that I need right away. And he said, oh, it's funny. I'm standing here in the legal department. So he yelled across the room. And he's like, do you have a piece of paper from Treasurer Law? Yeah, we're going to get to it. Again. No, you need to sign that now and fax it back or email it back. So we got it. Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, you can go deeper and deeper into organization, but sometimes, and it, is, it sounds like in some of the situations you mentioned, sometimes it's helpful to just switch the negotiator too. Yeah. you Sometimes you have to switch the negotiator. And we talked about, you know, being professional and sometimes, but sometimes, you know, the flinch, right? You have to lose your cool a little bit or you have to flinch and they don't appreciate that. And they do, never want to see that person again. We've had that happen where we have mm -hmm. to take negotiators out of a deal and put a new negotiator in. Just sometimes a fresh face, a different mind uh, really helps you know, it really helps. And you'll see that a lot. Like, listen, police departments do this all the time where all they're bringing people that's into why the interrogation. But that's also, it's really important. We mentioned this at the end of the last episode is that if you're trying to buy or sell a business, you really need good representatives for yourself. Because if something like that happens, you're trying to sell a business and you're the sole owner, something happens. You can't switch negotiators no. if you're not represented. So the, the, the broker, the advisor in the situation, they can be that bad cop. And sometimes you can play good cop or they, right. they might have a larger team where they can switch negotiators to move things along. Right. Yeah. All right. What's the next one? The next one is smaller and smaller concessions. So in any business deal, there's going to be concessions. We talked last time that so it's not a win-win. Um, we mentioned that, you know, you know it's a good deal when both parties are a little upset. So you give concessions. That's just what happens in negotiation. Right. Yeah, especially. And 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 so the idea is like if you're $10,000 apart on a, you know, you don't immediately go to $5,000, right? So, well, maybe if you go that five, it's like, well, I'll go, you know, I'll give you 4,000 of the 10. And then if they ask and they say, well, I want, you know, want more. First of all, you never give a concession with, we'll get that yep. to that in a second. Yep. But, you know, the second concession you make should be $1,000 and then it should be $200. Then it should be $10. You have to show them that they're getting to the line. 
And Chris Voss likes this, right? Yeah, well, that's why the book's called Never Split the Difference, right? Right. <laughs> never, if someone's asking for a $10,000 concession, you never give them 5000 right? Right. And, and the other thing is that Chris loves using uneven numbers. Mm. And there should always be a story behind the uneven number. But, you know, Chris talked about it all the time. Like when people would ask for a million dollars for someone's life, he would go back at like $15,625. And everybody would be like, why? What, what the hell is that? Yeah. And, and, and he would, you know, like, so there must be a reason behind that number. And we see that a lot in, in business dealings. And sometimes we've closed transactions on very strange numbers. Uh, but, you know, as you get closer and closer or showing people that you're getting closer and closer, if you make that number uneven, it makes it look even more real. Yeah, well, it is real. I think what happens, and we see this in our business a lot, is people tend to round numbers, right? We actually have, if we look at how we develop a valuation of a business, when we're developing the valuation, it never comes out exactly to a million dollars, right? So people are rounding numbers. And I think when you round numbers, they do become not real. They become very subjective versus if you're using uneven numbers, there's a part of your brain that it assigns it more objectivity to that, that you did math. There's a reason behind nine, $900,068 or whatever the number is, right? Yeah, and you, and you see that even in when thing, people give things, right? So yep. you're, you're, you're seeing a house, well, we'll throw in, you know, we'll throw in the uh, inspection, you know, and that's a few thousand dollars. And it's like, oh, and we'll throw in, you know, a wreath on the front door. I mean, like yeah. it gets to the point where it's really small and, so they don't want to negotiate anymore because they see what's coming across the table is very insignificant. Yeah, you're still giving them the win, but it's a very small win comparatively. Right. And yes, you're right. Eventually they just, you know, they just give up and they move on. Yeah, so, so the smaller and smaller concessions is really a good thing. It kind of just shows people that there's a line. Yeah. And I always say like, well, what do you do when like now you're truly – you're up to your line and you've given the last $10. They're up to their line and they've given the last $10. And now you're still $500, $5,000, $50,000 apart. What do you do? Do you split the difference? Um, you know, uh, it's, you know, maybe go back to, you know, you go deeper into the organization, into the organization or, you know, talking about swishing negotiators. Now there's a new negotiator. You could start that process all over again. Yeah. And or you got to find the weakest link, which is not on our list, but one of my favorites as well. Someone's the weakest link in the deal. Mm-hmm. When the buyer's either more motivated or the seller's more motivated, there's never an equal amount of motivation in a deal. Mm-hmm. And so you have to just recognize that. And you might be the person on the losing side, but you have to, you know, chalk it up to, hey, I really want this business or I really want this car or really want this house. And you could, you know, justify it in your own head. I think it goes back to two last episode. We talked about being professional and, and the recognition of when emotions are playing up because we do right. see a lot when you get to, when people are fighting over smaller and smaller concessions, there's a lot of emotion behind that or the need to just win, right? right. And it's not necessarily objective anymore. So sometimes right. even just like we talked about, remove yourself from the situation 24 hours. Right. Yeah. And if you can't get a concession, yep. one of my favorite things is to get a promise, mm-hmm. right? So, you know, you're getting going back and forth concessions and it gets to the point where money is, they're done, right? They're just shut down. They're done. 
you know, I don't want to give out any more money. The deal's going to blow if if you if one more dollar is either exchanged or trying. So maybe you get a promise instead. So one of my promises, we go back and forth. Sometimes something bad happens in due diligence, right? They find something bad, or they they just decide that the economy is getting weaker, or the interest rate is a little more than they thought, or they had more closing costs, or they find out that that truck needs to be replaced, or they really feel like looking at the kitchen that it needs a new stove, you know, and, and the seller is just like, you know, and, and the, and the seller's not moving, you know, the sellers, the, the, the seller is willing to throw in that one last thing, but the buyer's not willing to give, you know, fork over any more money. So what we try to do is get a promise. So then we say to the buyer, listen, if I get you this one last concession, will you promise, I know you're not going to give us more money, but will you promise to close next week with no more contingencies? Right. You know, or once upon a time we had a seller, seller had to stay around for 90 days post-closing. Mm -hmm. And the seller actually had a cruise scheduled and this took, you know, the deal took longer than everybody wanted. The bank dragged their fee, whatever the problem was. And then all of a sudden at the end, we, the, the buyer wanted a $20,000 concession for a, a very good reason, whatever, like a truck broken, whatever. And we knew the seller would go berserk. Right. But we knew if we got the seller out of their 90 day transition period mm -hmm. and they got to go on that cruise or that vacation early yep. that they would. So we said to the buyer, we're like, Hey, if we, if, if we get you this 20 grand, will you promise to let the seller out of 30 days after closing? And they're like, Oh yeah, we don't even like the seller anymore. <laughs> so we'll let <laughs> we them out in 30 days. Anyway. We'll let yeah. them out in 30 days. And so we went to the seller and said, Hey, would you be willing to give them 20 grand to get out of your, uh, you know, transition period in 20 days. And he's like, in 10, and, and, you know, 30 days instead of 90. And he's like, oh my God, I would give more than that. <laughs> so, you know, you get a deal done. You got a promise. Yeah. Yeah. You got a promise and you, you move on from that situation. So again, both parties feel like they've, they've moved the, the negotiation forward. They've gotten something um, out of the deal. So, yeah. And then the last one we're going to talk about is it's really important, right? right? And I think this is um, really for the position when you are the negotiator, just to remember that you don't matter, right? I talked a little bit about sometimes people feel, get into this where they feel like they need to win, right? And they need to win on a concession or win on that. But you really don't matter in this situation. You have to show empathy for the other party. Yeah, I mean, Stuart Diamond talks about it in his books, and I love Stuart Diamond. I got, actually got to meet Stuart one night. And he talked about that you must get the pictures in their head. You have to understand what's going on in somebody. We see this a lot in due diligence, right? We're going back or we're in deal making. We're going back and forth. And all of a sudden, one side gets quiet, mm -hmm. like especially in due diligence. We're, get, we're, we're getting uh, information from the seller on a regular basis. And then all of a sudden, the seller goes dark. And we're like asking for more information. Seller's dark. Guy asking, And it's like three days, four days something's going on. Something bad's going on. We have to get the pictures in their head. What happened? They went to a cocktail party and they're set and they mentioned it to their uh, CPA friend and their CPA friend. You're not getting enough for this business. You need to get out of this. This is ridiculous. You could, your business is worth so much more. And you know, whatever, you know, they got it, their latest newsletter from something that said they're that, you know, um, 
they should get multiples like snap uh, got multiples. I mean, you know, they get something in their brain that they, they should hold on to the business or they just flat out have remorse. Yep. You have to jump in there and realize that, you know, your commission certainly doesn't matter. And if you're a buyer or a seller that you don't matter, what you're trying to do is serve the other person's needs. And, and if you're empathetic to them saying, Hey, what can I do to make you feel better about this? Well, I feel like you're leaving my employees or my legacy is going to be gone. You know, oh, we're going to name, you know, the, the break room after you. I don't know, whatever yeah, it is. Whatever it is. And it starts with the empathy of just, you know, understanding what the other person is, the pictures in your head to mention, but just like, Hey, what's wrong. Right? right. Not jumping down somebody's throat because they've gone quiet and they're not getting back to you, but what's, what's going on? What's wrong? How can I help? in the situation here so that they will open up and then you can listen right. to see what is going on, what pictures they are seeing in their head, what's changed in their life, what's changed in their perspective. Yeah. We've come full circle on that. You, you need to get back to listening. I mean, you know, you don't matter in this deal. It, it, what matters is, is trying to get the deal. You know, a lot of times, again, soft on people, hard on problems. You want to work on that deal, have empathy for the other party, realize that, everybody's motivation is not money. Your, mm -hmm. your motivation might be money in a deal, but you know, sellers might have all the monies that they need. They're just looking to make sure that their business continues, that their employees continue, that their vendors are handled, that their vendors are paid. Maybe they own vendors money, that their customers are well taken care of. Who knows that yeah. they could, you know, they want to see their business, their baby continue. And, you know, same with buyers, they're very scared. This is the first time, very strange. So if you realize that you don't matter, uh, you'll be way ahead in a negotiation. Yeah. You don't matter and show empathy for the other party and you'll come, you'll, you'll end up winning in that situation. So those were your top 10 negotiation strategies over the course of the last two episodes. Like I said, it was a couple back and then this one. We really encourage you to practice these. Uh, we mentioned on the last podcast that you can practice these in personal situations, whether your negotiation is for a hotel upgrade or maybe, I don't know, do they still upgrade people to first class on flights that have been done very recently? Yeah. But <laughs> you could try. You could try. Yeah. So we hope that those were helpful. We also have, as always, a listing of the week and a deal of the week to learn through experience of others that are working with us. Yeah, and we'll come back and do this again someday. Yeah, it was fun. Thank you. Transworld Business Advisors is the world's largest business brokerage and mergers and acquisitions firm with over 500 brokers in nearly 200 offices worldwide. Transworld's team handles thousands of business sales every year. To be connected with a qualified business broker or learn more about the buying and selling process, visit tworld.com forward slash the deal board or call 888-719-9098. Hey, Andy, do you know what time it is? It's time for our deal of the week. Deal of the week. Sold. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is deal of the week. And I have Jennifer Armstrong and Ryan Armstrong talking about a nice deal. I couldn't let them leave and not talking about this great little deal because this is what we do. We help small businesses sell. Tell us about the business. So it was a direct mailer. Um, uh, uh, owner called us up. He'd been in business over 30 years. Wow. And now ready to retire. He, he kind of dwindled this business down, but he had a solid book of business and uh, he wasn't asking a lot. And I actually tried to leave the listing without it. I, I knew, knew her. I was like, this is not a good business. And uh, he wouldn't let me leave without signing the marketing there you agreement. Go, right. 
Uh, 60 days later, uh, we had it sold to a friend of ours that was starting an electrical business and had a new book of business day one. And uh, he was off to the race. His seller financed half of it. Perfect. Sounds like a great deal for great people, right? Yeah. yeah. Little businesses, you know, we need to help them out too. And, and, and right. it was really exciting. Um, first deal, by the way, for uh, Ryan over in Phoenix, closing Excellent. his deals. And so Congratulations. It's That's awesome. Yeah. Hey, if anybody wants to sell other businesses, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Uh, you can contact us at uh, transworld.com slash Phoenix. Excellent. Welcome. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Hey, Jessica, you know what time it is? Money time? Almost. It's time for Listing of the Week. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It is Listing of the Week, and I have Anthony O'Neill here talking uh, from Transworld Business Advisors of Bellingham, Washington, Washington of course. And so you have a unique listing or not a unique listing. I mean, it's it's been a great business out there in the world. And you have a hotel. I do. It's a Best Western Hotel, 51 Keys. And um, it's a interior uh, entrance hotel and um, off of a main highway, off of Highway 5 in uh, good old Woodland, Washington. Excellent. And so it's, uh, what's the price on that? Price is $8.6 million. 8.6 million. The hotel industry is is valued differently than other businesses, correct? It is. There's probably five different ways to evaluate a hotel I've found out in the right. last few weeks. Right. Yes. So, but uh, I'm sure that's a very popular listing. It is a very popular listing. Yes. Immediately when it was listed, I had interest uh, from all over the United States. Excellent. So what's the best way to get in touch with you if you want to get in on the to, fest? Yeah. You want to get a hold of me, go uh, a O'Neill at tworld.com or my phone number 206-226-3430. Thanks. Thanks, Thanks for coming Andy. in. Thanks for tuning into the show today. If you like the podcast, share it with your friends on social media. And don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions, would like to appear, or have suggestions for topics for the show, get in contact with us through our website, thedealboardpodcast.com. 